Well, thank you. It's great to be here. I must say I'm not a visitor to the area. I grew up here from 1964 to 2012. I lived in this area. As a matter of fact, I, I walked past this building when I still, where I could get locked up for being inside here. That was the era that I grew up. <laughs> um, I lived in the Strand, grew up in an area called the Lost World. <laughs> but Jesus found me. And uh, yeah, so... As we're just sorting out the sound as we go along, uh, normally my opening line, so you understand, I know that when I walk up and down here, you might think that the ground is uneven because of the way I walk, um, but it's not. It's quite even. The reason I walk funny is um, I had a stroke two and a half years ago, and uh, I had to relearn to walk. Um, and then December a year ago, I had another stroke, and some of my friends call me two-stroke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's all good that's all that's, that's fine <laughs> I must say I had the warmest welcome from all the Josh Jens that I've ever been to when I walked in here Shane came running up to me and he almost kissed me I was like oh, um, um, I, 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 I know we're brothers but uh, <laughs> but but we know one another from long ago so, so, yeah, it's, it's great to be here, and it's great to be able to minister in this context. Um, I must say, when, when I heard what happened up in, in Nelspray, Woodspray, where were you guys? East London, about, you know, the Holy Spirit and all that. You know, you're tempted to want to preach a sermon like that. But fortunately, the, the Holy Spirit came along and gave a picture to warn us of what he's going to talk about. And uh, the picture was that, of a the baseboard of a Lego set and you build on that and you build the corner block and there from there you start and move into the various areas um, and that makes it strong and, and I think the sermon today will or maybe not be the kind that you will make notes but you'll make decisions that will change your life because some of us are sitting with books full of notes but we, we're not making the decision that goes with the notes. And I think God wants to, to lay down some foundational blocks. It might not be the wow thing. It might not be the thing that's going to make you want to jump up and down. But I promise you, once this one foundation is laid, you can up, jump up and down and nothing will shift. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, at times it might be a bit robust or harsh, but I do not make apology for that. I preach what the Holy Spirit tells me to preach. So... Um, I'm going to preach on the topic that you might know as tithing, but, but I prefer to call it kingdom finances, because we, we use words that have been used in wrong context, and then people misunderstand what we're talking about, because sometimes when you say the word tithing, people go, ooh, not that. And that's why I actually ask that the, the boxes go around before I preach, so you don't sit there and worry, is he preaching this so we can give more today? I want to reassure you, that's not the case. I'm preaching this so you can give more next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the rest of your life. You see, for the, best, the best way I can explain tithing to you is, is if I explain to you what it's not. We start there, what, what, what it's not. And why I prefer to use the term kingdom finances, because actually... In the New Testament, there's only one reference to tenth. 
And that's a date giving on the 10th day of so-and-so. Uh, that's the only 10th that's mentioned in the New Testament. So this is the opening scripture and to lay a foundation. I'd like to read in Isaiah 29. Um, and I, I'm going to do a bit of a... I'm not employed by the tourism board, but I'm going to give you a little tour through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation on what the Bible says about tithing. And hopefully then you'll believe it, um, that it's not a man-made thing or some idea that we have uh, but uh, it's about a biblical thing and that we need to change our understanding of God and kingdom finances. So let's read uh, Isaiah 29 verse 11 uh, to 13 and it says, And the vision of all this has, beco has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. And I want you to keep this picture in mind. I'm not going to speak on that in the beginning, but keep this picture in your mind. When men give it to one who can read saying, read this, he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. It should sound familiar by now. And when they give the book to one who cannot read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot read. And then the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their feet, uh, f and, and they fear me, uh, the fear of me is a commandment, taught by men. So I want to start off saying that, that biblical finance is not a commandment taught by men. We think it is. We think that church leaders were the ones that came up with the idea that we should give. And the reason for that is we had people teaching it wrongly. We had people teaching it because they wanted to gain from it. And because of that, we thought it was a commandment of man. But this, but biblical giving is not a commandment of man. As a matter of fact, biblical giving, tithing, is not a matter of that you're in debt with God. So we as church leaders are not debt collectors. You see, the problem is we grew up, you might have grown up with, with, with a system where even if you don't attend meetings, the deacon will come to your house to collect the envelope, to collect the debt. But that's not the biblical principle. And because of that, you're now allergic to biblical giving because somebody taught you wrong. And I feel that that has become a stumbling block. I mean, I listen to Andrew when he speaks. 1,600 people has been added to Josh Jen over the last few months, and our tithing hasn't changed. Hasn't even made a blip. That means the 1,600 people does not have an understanding of biblical giving. And that's why God has really just laid in my heart. Just to break open that ground. So number one, it's not a debt. Number two, you need to understand that biblical giving is not protection money. We think like that. And I'll show you now when, with Abram. Uh, when he gave to Melchizedek, it wasn't protection money because he won the war already. And sometimes we think we can bargain with God, we can go in and offer God money so that we are, are, are promised a victory. Giving in the context of the kingdom is not protection money. But then because we're in South Africa, I have to say this, it's also not a bribe. You can't make God do stuff that He wasn't intending to do because you gave some extra. 
And we need to settle that in our hearts. When we, when we settle biblical giving once for all, we never have to argue about it again in our lives. We never should have people telling us or, or speaking to us, encouraging us to give. Once it is settled in our hearts, once there's a revelation of what it is, nobody will ever have to encourage you again to do it. You will feel privileged to be part of what God is doing. So, it's not a bribe. Bible says he is worthy. We sang, we sang that. That word came across a few times. He is worthy. And if you go to Revelation, I'll, 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 I'll end up there in Revelation 5, you'll find that he is worthy to receive. He does not have to demand. The Lamb of God is worthy to receive. The Lamb of God does not have to demand. You're not paying a debt. You're worshiping God with your finances. And with the same intensity, with the same intensity that we jump up and down here, with the same intensity that we dance as we sing in worship, the same intensity should be there when we sow our finances or when we worship God with our finances. Sometimes we settle for the jumping and sometimes we settle for having the prophetic. We want, we want that. We want all the other things that the Holy Spirit brings. But actually, actually, generosity, and that's the word in the New Testament, generosity is an outflowing of an infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. So, the reality is the way many people understand tithing today. You could be tithing regularly and still miss this whole thing of kingdom finances. You could, be, you could be tithing because it's mechanical. You could be tithing because you were taught, as it says here in verse 13 of, of uh, Isaiah 29, because people draw near, draw near with their mouth like they sing, they say all the right stuff, hallelujah, they speak Christianese. They've got all the right words. They know the lingo, but their hearts, uh, they will honor with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. It's amazing when a, when a person does not have a revelation of kingdom giving, of kingdom finances. You scratch there and their hearts will break away from you. Because in that area, their hearts are far away from God. And then they fear me. The fear of me is a commandment taught by men. When you think that tithing is something instituted by the pastors or the church leaders that, that led the church when you were raised in that church, where if you think that, your heart is still far from God, then tithing is a mechanical thing. But tithing should be as a result of a revelation of who Jesus is. If you have a picture, I'll show you through the, through the Word of God, if you have a revelation of who Jesus is, the Lamb of God, the one who is worthy to receive all our praise and our honor and all power, if you have a revelation of who He is, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, there's a natural outflowing of generosity in our lives. And that's what we are called to. So you could be tithing and still not experiencing blessing because actually you're not living in what God has called you to do. You, it's a mechanical thing taught by man. And God, I feel this morning, 
wants to break that ground and give you a revelation of who Jesus is. And when you have that, something in you will burst open and rivers will flow out of you. And you will experience truly what God has in store for you. There's been a lid. I, I, I sense, uh, this is something I just want to say, put out there prophetically. For, for somebody here, there's been a lid on your finances. There's been a lid on your, on your business. There's been a lid on, on your f- family finances. And you can't figure that because you've been tithing and you've heard that you must tithe and must tithe. But you have no revelation of Jesus. Is, so you stick to the figure. It's not a financial issue. Tithing is not a financial issue. Tithing is a heart issue. It's a conviction that comes by the Holy Spirit. And we just thank God that He was so generous that He made it a tenth. Because I think, I think in heaven there was a discussion, should we make it 11.75? <laughs> I would have loved to see some of you guys work it out in 11. 175 million. Two, nah, 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 leave it. It's not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. And the reason why we miss it, the reason why people miss it in today's life where we've got so much input from from teachers and from books and, and studies that we have, is because of wrong teaching. Through the years, tithing has been taught. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. I have just seen it firsthand. I've experienced it first, and a lady spoke to me not too long ago, said to me, um, she, she's, she gets a Sasa grant, 1,800, and sometimes it's 50, sometimes it's 60, 1,820, she's not, it's not always the same, not sure why, but she, that's her grant, and so she decided to give 200 rand a month as her tithe. And then some religious leader said to her, but, but then you're living in sin, that's wrong. Because that's not a tithe. 180 rand and 50 cents, it should be that. That's wrong teaching. Now that's very, very obvious that it's wrong. But through the years, church leaders have abused the pulpit and taught it wrong. And I'm very serious today when I say I want to apologize on behalf of church leaders that has abused the children of God. And, and if you've fallen in the trap because of that, and I want to say I'm sorry on behalf of those church leaders, because a great injustice has been done to the bride of Christ because of people who've been teaching this wrongly from the pulpit. And maybe, maybe your life has gone on a tangent. Maybe you've, you've turned somewhere in a wrong way because you got this wrong and you built up a hatred. When people say tithing, you just go, now I'm allergic to this because somebody taught you wrong. I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that has happened to you, but by the grace of God, God can change that today. I pray that He will turn that around, that He will break that mindset, and that you'll fall in love with the beauty of kingdom finances. It's truly a beautiful thing once there's a revelation of who Jesus is. People with wrong teachings, people with wrong motives, people with wrong words, that's why I prefer to use the word kingdom finances and generosity because when we use the word tithe, you immediately think that when you've given 10% of what you've earned, that you can tick the box. See, the better word is stewardship. 
And, and the, 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 the worst case scenario for the modern Christian should be stewardship together with tithing. Which means that once you've given your 10%, the rest, the 90%, is also the Lord's. You just have to steward it well to see which, what of that does he still want and what can you use for yourself. But actually it should be all about stewardship and just being available to the Holy Spirit to speak to you and give as God wants. The word tithing has made us think when we give 10%, the 90% is ours. It's not. Everything belongs to God. Everything. And it's as we follow the Holy Spirit. If you go to the book of Acts, you see there was an out, Acts 4 it will be. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 4, you'll find there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to the place where the, where the place was rocked and it, it shook. And the very next thing, after they were shaken and filled with the Holy Spirit, they became generous and handed out their goods to everyone. The first sign of generosity was right after the Holy Spirit was poured out. It's time that we see that as part of the fruit of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's not a commandment by man. It's a response. It's a response to the prompting of the Holy Spirit when we are, in, when we are faced with who Jesus is. Because in that moment, we'll see it now, we'll, in that moment, Peter preached Jesus crucified, Christ crucified. And when Christ, he preached Christ crucified, they got saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. They were encountering what Jesus looked like. This Jesus, they crucified. They found out who he was. They got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they became generous. And once you have that revelation, nobody's going to teach you what it is. It's an outflowing because of a prompting of the Holy Spirit. So, tithing or kingdom finance is not a commandment by man. Settle that in your hearts today. Secondly, tithing is not an Old Testament law. Or, even, even further back, it's neither part of, it, it didn't originate in covenant, in the Old Covenant or in the New Covenant. As a matter of fact, it, uh, it's, it's, it's mentioned in, in Genesis 14. But if you go to Genesis 14 and you read about the first uh, encounter of tithing, and you read further to chapter 17, you find that God makes the covenant with Abram in, in chapter 17 and he becomes Abraham. So before he was Abraham, when he was still Abram, Sounds like he was still colored then. Uh, <laughs> when he was still Abram, he tithed before covenant. And in the New Testament, it's not there because his generosity, because of the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. So it's not a law. 400 years before the law of Moses, God made the covenant with Abram. And before he made the covenant with Abram, Abram tithed. It's not part of covenant. It's not part of law. The law wasn't even a thought yet. But Abram, and, and maybe we can go there. Maybe, maybe, let me just finish with this thought, and I'll go there. So it's not an Old Testament law, and it's also not a New Testament instruction. Because sometimes when we teach it, we want to teach it like it's, it's an instruction. 
You have to. And when people ask me, do I have to tithe? I said, no, you don't have to. But when you meet, when you encounter Jesus, you'll want to. It's about the revelation of who Jesus is. And if you're battling with tithing, maybe because of where you grew up, maybe in the church context that you were raised, if you're battling with tithing, I'm going to suggest that you've got to look further back because you might be battling with baptism. Believer's baptism. You see, when Peter preached Christ crucified, it says they were born again, they were baptized, not, not as infants, they were baptized, whoever became born again was baptized. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they gave. But when you battle with baptism, you'll battle with understanding tithing. So let me just give you a one-liner on baptism. Believer's baptism. Believer's baptism is when you encounter Jesus and you see His holiness and you see your sinfulness and you, you hear about this grace that He has for you because He died for you on the cross, that He's the gift from God, that the, the one that paid the price that we couldn't pay, and you go and you say, Lord, please forgive my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I accept this fact that you've paid the ransom for me. When you get to that place where you get born again, something is regenerated on the inside. People can't see it. You go around and you, you might have been the biggest drunkard. I always tell people when I got saved, I came from the bottle, of the bottle. I was on a heavy stint of drinking, but it was a milk bottle because I was seven when I got saved and I was drinking milk up to that stage. So it was some heavy drinking, but God saved me from that. The point is, the point is, when you get born again, something happens on the inside that you can't explain to the outside. And then the leaders will explain to you baptism. And you, and you say, yes, I want to be baptized. And you are baptized as an outward expression of the inward regeneration that Jesus did for you. Now that's exactly what tithing is. Tithing is an outward expression with your finances of an inward revelation that you have of who Jesus is. And when you understand, when you understand baptism, you'll understand tithing. You'll understand generosity. You'll understand giving. And maybe if you're battling there, ask yourself, did I get baptized just because it was a ritual that I thought I had to do? Or was there really an understanding that I'm, my baptism will be an outward expression that I've died inside and I'm raised with Jesus? When you understand that, and maybe there's somebody here and you haven't even been baptized because you haven't been born again, then we actually need to start there. Then, then today is a day that you need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We have to ask Him in your heart and say, Lord, please forgive my sin. Come and be my Lord and Savior, personal. Jesus is not everybody's Lord and Savior automatically. He needs to be your personal Lord and Savior. First personal, privately, and then corporately as you gather together. But when you understand salvation and then understand baptism, then tithing is easy. God wants to change something in your heart today. It's not a New Testament instruction. As a matter of fact, if I can give you a New Testament example of people who didn't get instruction, think about the wise men that came to Jesus when he was about two and a half years old. People think they came to the crib, but he, actually when they got to Jesus, he was about two and a half years old already. And there wasn't just three of them, there was about 11 of them, but they only had three gifts. 
Okay? So they walk in there, and it says, the wise men paid homage to Jesus. You know why? Because they didn't see a baby. They came to see the king. They had a revelation of him being the king that they were waiting for. And because of that, they gave the best gifts. They brought myrrh, incense, um, they brought uh, 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 um, gold, frankincense. They brought the stuff that, that revealed their hearts because they expected to see the king. And the very stuff that they gave, they weren't told how much. They just brought. Now, I don't know if it was 10%, but all I know is the very things they brought to Jesus and gave into the kingdom sustained him and his family in the time that they had to go to Egypt and back. The kingdom was advanced because men had a revelation of who the king is and they brought out of that. You can be part. You can be part of what happens in the kingdom of God. We get to partner with God. That's why I say, if somebody asks me, do, ha, do I have to tithe? I say, no. Because when you have a relation of who God is, you, you understand that we get to partner with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We get to partner with Creator God. And He gets to use our finances as you make it available to Him. Wise men still draw near to worship Him. I pray that God will make you wise. I pray that you'll have wisdom in your finances and that you will draw near to Him and worship Him. So what, if that's what tithing is not, I better get to what tithing is. So quickly, tithing, as I said, is a, is a response, a natural response, a spontaneous response. Not somebody teaching you this is what you do. It's a spontaneous response to a prompting of the Holy Spirit in, in response to a revelation of who the Lamb of God is. So let's quickly go to, I'll just rush through this. Sean will preach on this next week again. Um. <laughs> so quickly, let's just, just I'm going to quickly run through this so you just know that it is from Revelation to. Um, from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation 14 it says here, um, verse 18. Let me just grab some water because I get excited and I forget to drink the water. Mm-hmm. Okay, Genesis 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And then it gives the explanation. He was priest of God, most high. And he blessed him and said, so he's speaking to Abram. Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, number one, that's the first time tithing is mentioned in the Bible. But it's the first time that the word priest is mentioned. If you go and check, there's, king, there's been kings before, but the word priest has never been. And then the combination of king and priest has never obviously been mentioned before. So Melchizedek is king of righteousness and king of Salem, king of uh, uh, um, uh, peace. 
to Melchizedek is. And Melchizedek is a forerunner, a picture of who Jesus is. So Abram gets, gets Melchizedek coming out, and Salem, king of Salem, Salem is the short word that became Jerusalem later. So it wasn't known, it was still not a godly city, but at this time it's king of Salem that will later become Jerusalem. So he comes out and he brings bread and wine and he's a picture of Jesus because Jesus in Jerusalem on the last night before he was betrayed gave bread and wine. So here's a picture of a, 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 a picture, a forecast of who Jesus is. And Abram sees, gets a revelation of who Jesus is. And it says, and he gave a tithe of everything he had. It wasn't protection money. It wasn't a bribe. It wasn't a demand. But it was based on who Jesus is. And that's why he gave. But here's the warning. Here's the warning. The moment you make that decision, the moment you decide to surrender to God, as you get the revelation, and you might get a very vivid revelation today of who Jesus is. You might really, something might break open and you get a clear picture that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there's nobody else worthy but Him. And as you get that revelation, you decide, something's going to change. I'm going to give to God. And then something happens. And you get distracted because there's not just the king of Salem. The next verse says this. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, there's always this duel between the king of Salem and the king of Sodom. And unfortunately, and that's why I'm so specific and say, when you've tied the rest of the 90% doesn't belong to you, it's all the king of Salem. Because we have the wonderful ability as human beings to tithe to the king of Salem and also give to the king of Sodom. You say, how do you do that? I, I, don't, I don't deal with drugs and I don't deal with... You know what? Let me use a simple example. Let's say you buy a hundred rands worth of data. I'm not speaking against Vodacom. I'm not saying the Vodacom is from the devil. Please don't quote me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying South Sea or MTN, no, no, no. But let's say you buy a hundred rands data. And you go home and you put that on your secret phone because your wife's going to check the other phone. Right? And then on that data, you watch pornography. You've just invested in the kingdom of Sodom. And that's where many Christians fall apart. Because they cannot understand why the enemy has still got access to them, where the enemy destroys them, where the enemy has, has a foothold. is because in what, the, the principle in the Bible is that you cannot, you cannot, sow in, you cannot tithe at the feet of the king of Salem and also invest in the king of Sodom. We are accountable before God. If you call yourself a Christian... If you call yourself a believer, you're accountable, you're accountable before God with the full 100% that God has given you. You can't just use it as I want to. He might allow you to use the 90% for yourself, but that is what stewardship is about, is how you steward even that 90% to honor God. I had a discussion with Fred yesterday, and we, we, in our discussion we agreed that 
the, the problems, the poverty problems of this world will not be solved by one rich guy. God wants to do it through the church. As we love our neighbors, as we share with our neighbors, God wants to do it through His church, through His bride. That's how He wants to do it. It's not just one person's job. It's the bride of Christ's job. But other people are doing it because we've stopped doing it. Or maybe we haven't even started. And God wants to break that off us today. The king of Sodom is a sly I'm not used to, you can pull in that word afterwards. I'm not allowed to say that. I'm a preacher. But he's lying. Because some background, Lot was captured. The king of Sodom ran away. He was too scared for, to go to war. Abram kept, brings Lot back, and now the king of Sodom is there as well. And, and, and Abram actually won the war, and he gives to God. And, and, and the king of Sodom says, just give me the men and you can keep the money? And Abram's answer to him is this. I have lifted up my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich. What Abram said to him, you cannot serve God and mammon. That's what he quoted. Without him knowing that he quoted, he quoted that. So that is what was. That's, that's how this came into being. So let's look at New Testament church quickly. Um, I'll go to Acts 2. Just quickly there. It says here, Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul. That's the fear of God. And all who believed were together, and all, all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. That's where generosity comes. Didn't say they started tithing, they started distributing their possessions. And I, I'm not calling for, for that, but if you do want to give your Ferrari, you're welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> And I brought Werner and Fred with me, the two big guys, um, not to protect me, uh, it's just to carry the stuff as I leave. <laughs> Here's the thing. That scripture follows a portion where Peter preaches, people get saved, they get baptized, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They study the Word for themselves. You see, we expect often that people need to teach us about tithing before we tithe. There are certain things in the Word of God that we're going to search for ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. And then it's not a commandment taught by man. It's a revelation by the Holy Spirit. It says here, repent and be baptized. I'm just quickly just adding this in. As Peter preached, he said to them that the promises that God has given to you through Abram is not just for you, but also for your children and your children's children. So here's my concern and my warning. That if, you're not, if you don't have an understanding of biblical finances, 
and you're living in bondage and you're not living in, in freedom in terms of that. I'm not promising you extra money. I'm not promising you that you're going to get an increase. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying if you're, if you're not living in the freedom of God when it comes to kingdom finances, your children will be born into that bondage. And they will live maybe with the same misunderstanding. But the opposite is true. If you break that thing today, your children and their children will live in the freedom and it will be easier for them to understand when the Holy Spirit speaks to them. You see, um, cursing flows in the bloodline but not blessing. That's a decision you have to make for yourself to serve God. So although your, your action today breaks that open of your children, they will still have to, f- to decide for themselves, but it becomes easier because the bondage was broken off them. So just in case you think I've made all this up, that, that, that it's, it's New Testament stuff, it's the now thing. Let's go to Revelation 5. And I'm going to end there where I just want to show you that in the Old Testament, in Abram's time, God said 10%. And I want, to see, I want you to see that as the training wheels of a bicycle. That's where you start. 10% gets you stable. But here in the, in the New Testament, it's 10% plus. It's, it, it's not limited to 10%. It's 10% plus, and, and the word for that is generosity. Where the figure is not important. Well, the figure is important, ladies, but in this sense, the figure is not important. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's 10% plus, and the one word for that is generosity. So, 10%, but in our age, it's generosity. So, it's 10% plus, but in, in one day, when we, when we stand before the throne of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it's everything. We're going to worship Him with everything. And it's how you practice here with your 10% plus, with your generosity, that will determine if you have crowns to, to throw at His feet when we come to eternity. You could practice here. I mean, I wish you would practice every day. You could practice here, and you could invest here. I mean, once in the church, some of you will remember me from New Gen days. Um, I said in New Gen that... Uh, 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 they asked me how did things change financially in my life. I said, I started dealing in precious stones. I mean, typically people believe me. Um, I said, I started dealing precious stones. Uh, and one lady walked out of the church. She never came back. Now, how can you get a guy like that to preach if he's dealing in precious stones? But what I meant was, I learned to invest my money here to buy precious stones in heaven to cast at the feet of Jesus when I worship him one day. And if I don't get that right here, I have nothing to put at his feet one day there. So you're not doing it for your church leader. You're not doing it to impress anybody else. As we bring to our God and King, we, we invest in, in jewels, in heaven, precious stones, that we get to cast at his feet. Now let's read that section in Revelation chapter 5, and that's where I'll end. Remember we started off reading about people who couldn't read the scroll because they, were, they couldn't read? So they were in my class in Sabay. So, um, and then there were those who, who, who were blinded and they couldn't understand because the book was sealed. 
And here we read about a book again. And, they, and the writer in, 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 in Revelation 5, is, he was saddened because there was nobody found to open the scroll. But then verse, verse 5 says, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Okay, let's say that again, and hopefully you'll get a revelation of who Jesus is. You see, if you get a revelation of who Jesus is in this verse, something's going to jump inside of you. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of David. He has conquered. Okay, how much do I pay these people to say amen? Yeah. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has conquered so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. And when you get a revelation of who Jesus is, that's when you will throw everything at the feet of Jesus. The four and twenty elders fell on their faces. All the thousands upon thousands of angels fell on their faces in worship. Why? They saw who the Lamb was. And it says this in verse 13. Or rather, I just want to say this, verse 9. Uh, it says, and they sang a new song. Once they had a revelation of who Jesus is, they sang a new song. I pray that when you get, when you get, when you get a revelation of who Jesus is, that even in your finances, you will sing a new song. You will sing a song to the glory of God. Look here in, in verse 13, and, and that's it. To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory, and might forever and ever. Do you know that if you, if you track back to verse 12, it says this, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. We sang that, so you agree with me, do you? And it says, to receive power, you agree with me? To receive wealth, you agree with me? Because that's money. Wealth there is money paid. That's what it says. And wisdom, and might, and honor, that's money again. That's where the word honorarium comes from. And glory, and blessing. And sometimes we, we, give, we give God all the other five of the seven, but there's two of the seven that's to do with our finances. Two of the things that Jesus is worthy to receive has to do with our finances. And then, as we bring our worship, as the, as, this is what happens in heaven, as we bring our worship, be it in song, be it in prayer, be it in preaching the gospel, be it in bringing our finances, it says here, and the four living creatures said, Amen. God takes notice of how every way, which way we worship Him. And even when that little lady with the two mites, when she dropped her two mites in, heaven said, Amen. I pray that, that Amen will echo through heaven in our lives. Amen.